Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. We want you to win. And this podcast exists to help you figure out ways to navigate yourself through the rough waters of this music industry. The climb means C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's how clever we are with the writing. I want to introduce you to my co-host, Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent also helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. They help you find your sound, and they help you find your audience. Not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating fingers together like I'm making money. Cash flow. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny, not at Netflix, not that Daredevil. You can find him at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one Uno, Johnny Dwinell. Uno. How Uno. are you, Brent? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm getting a little punchy. <laughs> I know. It's late tonight, man. It's getting hard late. to read. But, uh, hey, uh, first of all, once again, we are just blowing up on the downloads. Like, I'm really, I, I can't even believe, uh, seriously. And, me, and, and we, meaning you, the listener. Because yeah. I'm only responsible for like one of those downloads. Yeah, I mean, the rest is all you guys. It's it's it's. We're, I mean, we're pushing like 200 a day now. It's incredible. So we, you know, want to thank you guys for mm-hmm. uh, listening. And and if you like this, if you find this stuff valuable, man, share it, pass it around, share it on your social media, let other people know about it because um, that we we want to reach as many people as we can, and that's why we exist here. We're, we're trying to trying to help. Artists and songwriters help themselves. And, and, you know, and teach you how to do the, you know, those Facebook groups we were talking about last week. Yeah. You know, if you want to add value, a little something to the conversation, that go. wouldn't be a bad thing to to share. Like, hey, go. I found this. They're talking about blah blah blah. How we can all get money off YouTube or whatever. Just thought you would enjoy that. That's right. add value. Oh, genius. That and I say that genius. completely non self servingly. I mean, I just <laughs> I'm just saying if you need something. It just came to mind. Never mind. Go it's ahead, good, go it's ahead, good go stuff, though. It's good stuff. It's all good if it's good. You know? It's yeah. good content. Uh, so, hey, you know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the the stories that we tell ourselves. Because one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is, is Park Howell, The Business of Story. I turned you on to that. Mm-hmm. And it talks about story branding and how uh, lots of different companies and uh, certainly songwriters, you know, we're all in artists. This, these are tools that I'm using to to help uh, get my artists to become a little bit more sticky in the minds of the consumer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's about telling stories, right? People are much more interested in your story than they're interested in your song. If they're interested in your story, then they'll be interested in your song. And we talk about mm-hmm. how... The artists come first. It's not the music anymore. It's the artists. So the pa- Park says the most powerful story is the story that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, and uh, uh, the, the worst, it, 
how, how do I want to phrase this? The most powerful story that drives me the craziest is I just see so many artists telling stories that make that uh, of limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we all have limiting beliefs. Yes. I mean, you've had stuff you've had to overcome in your own mind, Brent, and uh, in, in real mm-hmm. challenges. Oh, I'm not a I'm not a real songwriter. I'm just a lyricist. <laughs> I sing like a horse. <laughs> How could I ever get in the music industry? Uh, yeah, <laughs> doesn't play an instrument, doesn't sing a song, but he's in the best rooms in town, people, right there. So that's overcoming a whole lot of limiting beliefs to to make it happen. And I, I changed my story. In your head, right? And that's what, we're, that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, the most successful people in any endeavors are self-aware that they have limiting beliefs, because we all do. And they work diligently to think differently and mm. overcome the mental hurdles. And just like you said, Brent, very astutely, they change the stories that they tell themselves. So, you know, limiting beliefs means that deep down inside, you don't truly feel like you should be successful or you don't know how to do it. Or mm-hmm. you're conflicted because subconsciously the idea of making a living doing what you love is rubbing up against some serious emotional or mental anchors. Or you have what's called affluenza, where you think it's an illness to be affluent and to make a lot of money and to be successful because you think somehow that means you're going to be evil. Right. And some that's people a- have that limiting belief going, I can't be too successful because, I mean, we hate on those people that make a lot of money because they're, you know, they're evil. Right. That's right. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and believe me, that is a sickness that is, is from the have nots, but the have nots have not because <laughs> they have affluenza. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but I, but I, and they come out of the woodwork and, and it's hard because I, listen, I remember when I was an artist and, um, and we were, we would tour, uh, we had a really good manager. Uh, the Almond Brothers had moved us from Wisconsin down to Florida. We were working with some good producers and, and really developing and, and getting some press. And I, man, we started getting, we started becoming targets, right? Like in the in the local newspaper and different people around town would say this and say that about us and start spitting poison at mm-hmm. the band. Why? Because we were doing what we love to do, and we were bec- and we were we were getting successful at it, and they weren't. And so then they feel they need to be negative. So it's, it's easy to let stuff like that reinforce a story that you're telling yourself, but you've got to make sure you change the story that you tell yourself, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately, I mean, we all, to a certain degree, we want to please other people, right? We want to satisfy our sense of belonging yeah. as, is cause we're tribal mm-hmm. in nature, um, in the communities we're in, the families we're in. And, you know, if your parents don't approve of your life's path, um, that's a, that's a biggie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe your significant other is renting too much space in your head about your musical aspirations and mm-hmm. um, saying, you know, no, we've got to focus on this. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And um, I think that, you know, these are some of the things I want to talk about today. I mean, a, a lot of people are, I know that they they listen to this podcast for inspiration on on the artistic side when when sometimes I'm going down that road, but a lot of times I go down the business road, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think so many artists are just like I'm not a business person; I'm an artist. That's right. a limiting belief, right there. That is like you can't be both, right? It's and it's mm-hmm. also inaccurate because because just I mean it's you teed that up perfectly for me, brother. <laughs> because if you've ever received one penny of revenue from a recording 
from a live gig, from a studio gig, from a musical teaching gig, guess what? You're a business person. Yeah, you're in business. So you might be a crappy business person and there's no law against that. But I mean, rest assured, you are a business person. Mm -hmm. How about this? One of my favorite quotes. I make art for the sake of art. I answer to no one. My creations are derived solely from me and no other commercial interests. You know, you hear that Mm -hmm. a lot with songwriters, right? That's a conflict that you have with songwriters because they want to write what's meaningful to them. And you oftentimes are teaching uh, about how to balance that with also what the market wants. Right. Yeah. It depends on their goals. Some people, if your goal is to get cuts, well, and and to get into business, well, you need to act like it. Mm -hmm. If you just want to write for yourself, that's cool. But the, you know, that stuff, their stuff normally didn't end up on the radio, which is fine, but just know that going in. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, that comment, right? Like, the, the whole thing, like, I do it my way and I don't want to mm-hmm. compromise to anybody is, is uh, I love that. I mean, I, I, my, I'm saying, hey, that's awesome. And, and in today's music business, the, more than ever before, an artist can really achieve the pure art and find their audience now more than ever without having to compromise for a record label and not having to compromise for uh, radio, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're done with that pure creative process and then you venture out into the world to accept any kind of money for your talents. Now you're a pure and true artist and you're also a business person. Yep. And I don't understand why so many artists get upset by this. You know, they feel almost offended by it or they feel dirty. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like, if I wanted to go into business, I'd have finished college. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Or also, it's I think it's some of the us versus them, like the suits versus the, you know, the creatives. Yeah, and so I think there's a little bit of that that tribal divide and animosity, like oh well, those are the people holding us down and people making bad decisions and the corporate blah 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 blah. So I don't want to be one of those people. That those aren't my people. My right. people are the free spirit creatives. You know, the dreamers of dreams, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, listen, whenever. Wherever there is amazing art, and I think we all like to believe that we have amazing art, right? Oh, of course, yeah. There's inevitably going to be commerce. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to, if it's exposed to people, and it's amazing, and it moves people, right? It makes them mm-hmm. feel something, then people can be willing to pay for it. And there's yeah. going to be somebody there that knows how to take a ticket, you know, and, and knows how to <laughs> yeah. knows how to sell a T-shirt mm-hmm. and, and knows how to sell a recording. So commerce is present because they'll pay their hard-earned money to be transported emotionally. This is what art does for people. It moves them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of um, the first four lines of, of uh, give it to me, Brent, of, um, of uh, uh, Last First Kiss that you wrote with Neil and Jason Cox. Right, I've oh, been the whiskey on a liar's lips. I've been that. Oh, uh, I've, I've, midnight I've, romance, sunrise regret. Yeah, I've been the suitcase yeah. left on the curve. I've been the desperate phone call unreturned. That those when I heard those first four lines, I mean that moved me. It made the hair stand up on my arm. That's valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why people pay because it moves them. That's why you love the bands that you love. That's why you became a songwriter. That's why you got into becoming an indie artist and you put up with this lifestyle because it moves you. Don't underestimate it, you know. So so 
it means that you're worth it if you're making people feel like that. And some of you deep down don't believe that you're worth it. That's a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've heard artists complaining about how they don't want to sell out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's their excuse to not work or to not, um, you know, to, to not push as hard as they need to push. And I love that too. But, but how is accepting revenue for mm-hmm. work that you creatively stand behind with pride selling out? Right. You know? I mean, what, one reason I want to get cuts is so therefore I can afford to write more songs. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Making commerce from what I love to do allows me to do that thing I love to do more. Exactly. And so I'm not selling out. You know, I'm getting to do, I'm selling out for my music. I mean, so I get to do more music. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love it. I mean, you are selling out, and I, you know, in air quotes here, if you're, right, yeah. if you're derivative to become famous, mm-hmm. right? Or if, if somebody's. I'm doing what's not, like for me, it would be, I've done it before, but I'm trying to grow past that. Writing songs that espouse values that I don't really hold. They are contrary to what I really believe I should be put into the world, but I'm doing it for the buck. For me, that's selling out. Right. Yeah. You know, because it's counter value for me. And it, that brings up perfectly my next line. So it, 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 I'm thinking to myself, the note that I've written down here is that you are selling out if you're derivative to become famous or if you feel pressured to change your art for the sake of a bigger megaphone. Right. Mm -hmm. To try to reach a bigger audience, you know, and for you, you're attaching that change in your art to be counterintuitive to a core value Mm -hmm. that you have or something. Yeah, that's huge. That's selling out. But and, 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 and listen, we see that happen like a lot with um, with some of the arts like on American Idol. You know, when they get in there a little bit too quick and they start to get all the notoriety, but they don't really know who they are yet as artists Mm -hmm. and they're not resolute in their lane and therefore they are doing stuff that they really wouldn't normally do. Right. Like singing about stuff, you know, a a format like a, a great story on this is Sheryl Crow who mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this, but her first record was not Tuesday Night Music Club. Mm-hmm. It was a record that you'll never hear. It was a pop record. And the, the uh, A&M paid for it. Herb, Herb Albert signed her to a deal. Paid, they had the record all done in the can and they're ready to wind up the marketing machine and she freaked out because she was like, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. Right? She had a, like a come to Jesus moment where she was like, this is not my lane. This is not who I am. And told him she wouldn't put the record out. And of course they flipped, started to sue yeah. her. She's got her big dream, her big first record deal. And she just completely screwed it up and went into like a six month depression, which is how Tuesday Night Music Club was born. But it was slick pop. And she found out through adversity who she was as an artist and then had the balls to put her foot down and say I'm not doing it and got sued and all this stuff mm-hmm. and then made up for it with Tuesday Night Music Club God, God bless her but, yeah. but most people wouldn't do that they wouldn't have the backbone to the mental constitution to make that happen so you know right there you know, that limiting belief wasn't like, I'm going to have my hat in my hand, I'm just going to go down this road and be something that I'm not, you know, to, to not sell out. But, mm-hmm. 
But this is this is this is what we're talking about here. So you know, making money on your art is not selling out. It's selling tickets. It's selling merch. It's selling music, and that and that's the difference. You know, the mm-hmm. the mental hurdles are stories that we tell ourselves to give ourselves permission to wait, to lose the dream, yeah, to not be successful as we could be on our dream, right? To keep it as a hobby when it could actually be a way of living. You know, mm-hmm. if if you if you didn't keep getting in your own way, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one limiting belief is, uh, you know, somebody has to make it happen for me. I have to be discovered. I have to, somebody has to open the golden door and give me the golden ticket kind of thing. And I actually heard this uh, great quote by uh, Anne Rand the other day. And it was something like, the question is not who's going to let me. The question is who's going to stop me. Love that. Yeah, I knew you would. I, I love that. that. Yeah. I mean, yep. absolutely. I mean, and that's a difference in the story you tell yourself. Instead of going, you know what? Who's going to make my dream happen for me? In this world, if you've listened to our podcast, you know you have a lot of power in your hands. You switch that thinking to, no, who's going to stop me? I'm going to go out and do it. One leads you to be passive, wait around, hope to get discovered, and not do as much. The other, leads you to act action and positive motion and it's more and you're more likely to have the good things happen then and then yeah and then you have that whole positive thing happen and the law of attraction starts to come in and and you know more opportunities come your way mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know um and so i want to remind a couple artists about some things here are there artists who somehow fell into like the big ugly music business machine ended up putting on the proverbial dancing chicken suit uh, to be please the powers that be just so they could be famous. Yes. You yeah. know, um, Millie Vanilli comes to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. But are there artists who back in the old music industry when you had to please the record label and then you had to please radio somehow got away with completely genuine creations despite all that 
art by committee. You know, the uh, there's a, the Almond Brothers come to mind. You know, mm-hmm. they did it their way, man. You know, um, is that you know? Are, are you Millie Vanilli? No. Are you the Almond Brothers? No. <laughs> You're not. So what the right. hell are you thinking? You know. So it, it's all everything in your head is all made up. It's all made up. Everything that you know is all made up. It's made up from scratch, from fear, from your parents, your siblings, your bandmates, your significant others, your upbringing. Uh, It's all made up. Every story about politics, religion, success, money, love, music, business, selling, health, nutrition, all made up. Right or wrong, Mm -hmm. effective or toxic, these stories in your head are made up. Quote, unquote, I'm a creative. Sales are beneath me. <laughs> you probably don't get many sales in. Yeah. Good luck with that story. I mean, you know, if you have any friends that are in a major label record, ask them how cool it is to be a major label artist and not ever have to sell. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> I want to see the look they give you. laugh you right out of the room, right? What do you think radio tour is? That's mm-hmm. selling like you can't believe. It sounds like it's a really fun interview on the radio and from your perspective as a, as a listener, when they're there and they play a song and it's real exciting and you're in this market and you're doing that, but then, but you know what you don't find out about? Remember, uh, was it Kelly Brannon on her podcast was talking about, mm-hmm. yeah, then after that, I, I'm going bowling with them, you know, because right. why? Because I want them to like me. I want the DJs to like me and the program director to like me. Why? So they'll spin my song. Right. You know, she's selling herself. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's, that is selling, you know, you're selling your music to program directors. You're selling yourself to get them to like you every gig. You're selling yourself to the audience, but you're selling hopefully good art, right? Yeah. How about this one? I hate the way salespeople make me feel, so I'm not going to sell myself. My music is amazing. It'll find an audience, you know? That's yeah. that's like me saying I, I don't like the way you sounded on the very first day you picked up a guitar, so I'm not ever going to listen to your music again. Right? <laughs> I mean, think about think about Justin Bieber. Love him or hate him, think about Justin Bieber on the very first five videos he put out. He was this cute little kid singing sometimes out of key, dancing around, whatever. But people loved him, man. But now he's a freaking rock star. He's a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You know. Again, you don't have to like it, but he just did it he just went out and figured out a way right mm-hmm. and uh so i you know I, I remember this that that um nobody likes to be sold mm-hmm. but everybody wants to do commerce right mm-hmm. think about when you think about sales when when when, when i think about talking to artists, they start talking to artists about sales and selling and stuff and they go, and they start to feel greasy and gross and they're just like, I don't know. And you know what they start to think about? They start to think about like used car salesmen, right? Yeah. They start to think about like infomercials or something. And which are effective, by the way, not for nothing. That's why they've been on for 40 freaking years. But um, uh, the thing is, is, what about other commerce? Like, you know, how do you feel when you go to the bar and sit down and have a cocktail and you hand money over and the bartender knows your drink? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's commerce right there. Is he a salesman? No, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's you know, when you go buy groceries, when you go to get that stomp box you want to get for your guitar, when you go to when you go to uh, 
you know, when you go to get some brand new guitar, some brand new piece of equipment, you that that nobody's selling you on that. That's commerce. That's you're happy to take it. When when you feel guilty or maybe even embarrassed about um, people liking your art, that's a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, hey, I had it as an artist. I got checked hard into the glass by our manager, Barbara, <laughs> when because uh, we would go out and work the room and, you know, girls would come up and, you know, hey, oh, my God, love you guys. You're great. Will you sign my we sign my shirt? And it was I, this is gonna be hard for you to believe, but it was, it was a little bit embarrassing to me. I'm like, what do you want my freaking signature for? I'm not a rock star. I'm not John Bon Jovi. You know? right. and, and I wouldn't be rude about it, but you know what I didn't do? I would. I, she saw me one time not sign a shirt and dragged me literally by my ear, long-haired Johnny, by my ear into the dressing room. And she's like five foot two, this little five foot two Jew, Jewish girl, you know? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Like, do you realize how badly you just offended those two girls? I'm like, you've got to be, what? I was totally nice to them. They wanted you to sign this. Sh- like, you know what I mean? That's a limiting belief that I had. Mm-hmm. And, and learn you that- weren't worthy of it, that you exactly. shouldn't accept it, that, Yeah. Exactly. And it was a little embarrassing and it's okay to be embarrassed and it's okay to be sort of, um, you know, self-deprecating. But at the same time, they came over there for a reason, you know, they liked what I did mm-hmm. and they wanted well, an autograph. Was, the, also, the limiting belief was it was about you. Yeah. You weren't thinking enough about them. What's going to make them happy? It's going to make them happy to sign a shirt. I, I'm uncomfortable with it, but whatever. It ain't about me. Exactly. Exactly. So another good example, uh, dated a girl way back then that used to date like a big, big rock star. Right. Mm, and till she met you, (laughs) then she changed her mind. Uh, but, (laughs) but she would tell me like, and, and so picture this, this is another kind of limiting belief, but it's like, uh, from a, from a female perspective, right? Like, and this is like a relationship thing, but when they would be going out or whatever, and people would approach this person, this you know, her boyfriend all the time, and they'd like want autographs and pictures and all that, she would get out of the way, and and here, you know, let me let me take the picture for you, right? Like she was participating in their joy mm-hmm. when she could have been jealous, right? If she's jealous to point to 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 make another color on the point that you just made, Brent, that would be her thinking about herself. Yeah. Right. But instead of thinking about herself, she was thinking about those fans who are in a moment having an experience right there. And how can I help you with this? You know, let me help you take a picture like and and do that. So these are the limiting beliefs we're talking about. Here's the biggest limiting belief of all time. I can't afford that. (laughs) I can't afford that coaching. I can't afford that. That product that's going to make me learn more. I can't afford um, guitar lessons. Yeah, I mean, like, I bet you that got your attention because we've all said that at one point. And here's here's mm-hmm. the answer, right? Well, yes, maybe you can't afford it, but that mindset isn't going to get you into growth. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed to keep you right where you're at. You know, maybe at the end of the day, you keep that hundred bucks in your pocket, but what is that approach really costing you? Your dream. Mm -hmm. You know, what if you spent that hundred dollars learning something new or delegating some, something that you don't do well to somebody who does do well, do it well and and paying Mm -hmm. them to do it. Right. Um, you know, uh, Tony Robbins uh, in this in this podcast that I was listening to, uh, he had he had brought up a story of Tony Robbins, uh, Park Howell, the host, about how he purchased his first Tony Robbins cassette tape 
uh, and the first series was like back in 1985, and it was 39.95, right? Mm-hmm. And which is, by the way, it's like almost 90 bucks today. That's what that's yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. And he said, "Man, I was broke. That was a lot of money to me." And I went back and forth and back and forth whether or not I could afford it. But he said, "I just went and I did it." And he listened to that whole series on his Sony Walkman, right? Because it was the 80s. He mm-hmm. said like, he would, he probably listened to that whole series through like eight or nine times. He would listen to it when he was hiking, when he was exercising. And, and it, he was fearful of spending the money, but what he did, that, that, that $39.95 changed his life forever. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be stepping over dollars to pick up pennies, you know? All right. Uh, and my mom would say penny wise and pound foolish. So here's mm-hmm. the thing. You, you don't really know marketing at all. Everybody listening to this podcast, you don't know. You think you know. And some of you know some things. But I can test that here at Daredevil, we're constantly learning. And every time we figure something out, the game changes again. You know, so you know nothing. And since you don't know, you're going to need to learn. And it means you're going to have to learn it. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to pay somebody to do it. Or you're going to have to learn how to do it yourself. And so you're going to have to, you know, go get yourself an education, webinars, conferences, uh, you know, books uh, that are out there. I've got a stack of books on my desk. You know, every time I I get, uh, you know, a new client, I reward myself with a couple new books that Mm -hmm. that I have to read, you know. And And my gosh, if you can't afford it, if you think you can't, you know, first of all, the question should be, how can I afford that? Right. Right. That should be your mindset. Go to the freaking library. Yeah. What's <laughs> it going to take? Like, what am I going to take to, you know, I don't have time, right? There's another one. What, what, but you yeah. play basketball. You, you, you're in a basketball league. You're in a baseball league. You're in a soccer league. You, you, you keep you up know, with you, Game of Thrones. Yeah. You spend, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, there's a plenty of time, believe me, to, to make that happen. So, you know, choices like this require spending some time, which is the most valuable asset that you have, and money on either a staff or education. And if you don't have the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience, or the skills, or the perspective to execute an effective marketing plan for your music project, where are these missing pieces going to come from? Ask yourself that. What if you told yourself a different story? What if you told yourself a story where... You know, what would you have to do to be able to afford the education that you so desperately need, right? So since all the stories in our heads are made up, and the ones that a lot of us have in our heads aren't working for us right now, and we all have different versions of that, I promise, this is, there's nobody out there that doesn't, then why not just make up some new stories? Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as that, you know? I had I had the I don't know, tell a quick story. I had the choice, and we talked about it a little bit earlier when I was when the songwriting bug first hit me. All right, so I've been writing you know bad poetry, short stories, that kind of stuff. And then my buddy Tim Mightson put a, a a lyric I thought was a poem, but it was set up like a lyric. He put a melody to it. And I'd written my first song with my buddy Tim, and right. I was hooked. But you know, like I said, I sing like a horse. Um, you know, I know some chords on guitar, but m- the music side of it, melody, is not my gifting. My gifting is words, and I love that. So I had a choice early on to go, once I started getting the dream of becoming a pro songwriter, can I do it? Can I not? Gosh, I, you know, I don't play and sing. I'm not like those people up at the Bluebird going to get up and play my songs. But I had a choice to make, and I, and I, I changed the story. No. You know, I'm not a guitar playing, singing, songwriting person. I'm a lyricist, 
and I'm a specialist. And going, I'm a specialist, is a lot better on your mindset than saying, I'm limited. I'm half a songwriter. No, I'm a specialist. You need this, you come to me. And that made a lot of difference in confidence. And when you can, you know, it's the difference between saying, oh, I'm only a lyricist. And he's saying, no, I'm a lyricist. You know, you need this, you come to me. Yeah. (laughs) You need melody, don't come to me. That's cool. (laughs) You know, but if you need this, I'm your guy. I'm a specialist. Yeah. And that made a huge difference in my career. And how many artists out there right now have limiting beliefs about like their vocal ability? Right, mm-hmm. have limiting beliefs about their uh, their musicianship. Have limiting beliefs about a million different things that aren't perfect about your art. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean the same kind of the same situation, Brent. I you know on my first tour, we uh, in the Idols, I was a guitar player. We had a singer who sang like an angel, like like Jeff mm-hmm. Tate stuff, real high. We were covering Judas Priest, Queensrÿche. Um, uh, Iron Maiden. I mean, that was the stuff we could do because he would nail that, like in full tone, like not the wee crappy. Like he was a monster, right? Mm-hmm. And he'd always say, you know, Johnny, you can't sing, don't sing, because I was terrible at harmony. You know, I didn't know how to sing harmony. <laughs> and so I started developing mental. I-, I had a story in my head, like I can't sing. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm just gonna play guitar. Well, time went on, and, and that tour ended, and we fired that singer because he was a horrible front person. And Mm -hmm. I could just, the the entertainment factor in me, like there's so many times that I just wanted to grab the mic from him and and get the audience pumped because he didn't have the ability to do it. Like he did just, he couldn't connect those dots. It drove me crazy. Mm -hmm. So when we fired him, I went back to the band and said, I know y'all think I can't sing, but I damn sure can entertain. And I'm going to be the singer in the band with or without you. What do you want to do? And and everybody's (laughs) like, we're with you. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That's the band that went down to Florida. That was Kid Gypsy. That's the band that got to um, to Warner Brothers. And could I? Did I have like thirty percent of the vocal ability that that singer had? No, you know. But I sang just good enough to not turn people off in the in the clubs, you know. But the show <laughs> was so freaking awesome, right? That's mm-hmm. why people came. So my strengths were over here, not over here. So what? Let's just figure out what we got, and let's let's work with what we got, and not worry about what we don't have. Right? right. Get rid of the limiting beliefs. Tell that different story, you guys, and you're and you're going to win. You're going to start winning. Okay. So that is uh, that is what we got to say here today. That brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the climb. And uh, by the way, if you want to check out kind of what Daredevil, how Daredevil structures the business around our artists, uh, go to howtomarketyourmusic.com. There's a free video there. It's one hour long. Uh, and it just it breaks down the philosophy of, of, of what we're doing, the value of a contact, how we, how we make all that stuff happen, and how we approach it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a really, it's a very informative video just on its own. And, I mean, complete transparency. It sets up a product uh, that we do sell. It's very affordable, but it's over like six and a half hours of education on all the tools and all the strategies we use for the social media platforms, for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and how we grow our artists' profiles on each of those platforms. So real good stuff. You have lifetime access to it when you get there. So you can just learn one and then go back and take the next one and master that. And then, you know, next thing you know, six months from now, you're going to be growing your your numbers and, and engaging with more people than you've ever engaged with before. So 
Uh, but listen, that's why we're here. This podcast exists because we want you to win, guys. So with that, we'll say keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.